Synoptics, the second book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number six. Again, thank you for being here. And uh, how many of you, uh, you really love this time of year? You love the fall. And uh, lots of good things to look forward to with the fall. Uh, you know, it's uh, fall means uh, football, amen? All right, amen. I know I'll get down your spiritual level here in just a minute, but uh, anyway. <clears throat> and uh, which means, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's only a couple months away now. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> that's right. Uh, and then um, also, uh, fall is the precursor to winter time. And of course, there's a few folks here who uh, <clears throat> are somewhat deranged and look forward to that as well. But, uh, but anyway, we won't call any names there. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> and uh, if you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. I appreciate the good spirit. You know, uh, <clears throat> fall seems to make some, some people perk up a little bit. You know, you, you get a little bit, uh, you kind of trudge through the summertime, and it's really hot, and people begin to get a little bit sluggish, and then a couple of cool days, and all of a sudden, man, you just perk right up, kind of like your garden, right, or like your, uh, like the grass. <laughs> uh, how many of your grass, it was, it was a lost cause this summer, you just gave up on it back in July, okay, yeah. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 41, and we'll read through uh, down through verse number 52, Mark chapter 6, verse 41. The Bible says, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it to have been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto, and he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Notice verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Again, verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. Consider the miracle. Consider the miracle. Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. As we open your word, how it challenges us, how it helps us, how it, uh, how it brings conviction, how it uh, encourages us, how it provokes us to be more of what we ought to be. What a wonderful book. And I pray that you'd help us uh, through the reading and the preaching of your word by your spirit. May your Holy Spirit do really good work in our hearts. And uh, that'll be the case if we'll just open our hearts. I pray that it would find fertile soil uh, in our hearts as we... Uh, preach on this uh, theme, on this uh, title, on this message. Uh, may you use it in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The disciples <coughs> saw many of the miracles that Jesus performed during his ministry. Can you imagine to be to have been there when Jesus uh, healed blind Bartimaeus? Can you imagine what it must have been like to be next to the pool of Bethesda when Jesus said to the man who had been crippled for many, many years, he said, hey, I want you to take up your bed and walk. Imagine what it must have been like to have been there when Jesus turned the water into wine at the, uh, at the wedding reception in Cana of Galilee. <clears throat> uh, you know, many of the miracles were witnessed by the disciples. And uh, one of the most famous of his miracles, of course, was the feeding of the 5,000. Now, the Holy Spirit must have been, uh, he must have really wanted us to take note of that particular miracle because he put it in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them record the story of Jesus taking a little boy's lunch, five loaves of bread, and two small fishes, and, and, uh, and Jesus took that lunch, that one little lunch from one little lad, and he divided it, and he multiplied it, and he fed probably in excess of 20,000 people with one little boy's lunch. Now that's what you call economical, amen? And uh, Aldi's can't even beat that one. But uh, one little boy's lunch, probably 20,000 people were fed because it said there were 5,000 men who were fed. And if you've got 5,000 men, you've probably got a few ladies there. And if you've got a few ladies there, then you've probably got some munchkins running around there. And so probably 20,000 is probably a conservative estimate of the people who were fed that day. And at the end of the day, the Bible says they took up the fragments that remained, the leftovers, if you will, and uh, they said, uh, uh, the Bible says, 12 baskets full were left over at the end of the day. What a miracle. What an incredible miracle. I wonder what it must have been like to be there and to see it happen. Well, the Bible says the disciples were there, and yet apparently there was something about it that they missed because the Bible says in verse 52 that we just read, it says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Now, how do you miss that? <laughs> how do you just let that kind of go over your head a little bit? I don't understand that, but that, apparently that's what happened here. And so I want to preach to you on that subject, consider the miracle. After the thousands of people were fed and the basketfuls of leftovers were collected, the Bible tells us that Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and he says, fellas, I want you to set sail across the Sea of Galilee and I'll meet you on the other side. And uh, now, you say, preacher, how was that possible? Well, first of all, nothing's impossible with the Lord, no matter how big the sea may have been. But uh, to put it in context, the Sea of Galilee was not a very large body of water, even though it's called a sea. It's just a few miles in diameter. And so Jesus constrained, the Bible says, his disciples to get into that ship. And he says, you fellows, you sail on over to the other side, to Bethsaida, and I'll meet you over there. And that was about evening time, about the time the sun was going down when Jesus did that. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus dispersed the crowds that were fed there, the multitudes that were fed. And by the way, can you imagine the buzz that got around those crowds when when they figured out that all of what they ate came from one little boy's lunch? They're probably thinking, wow, they probably wanted to stick around for that after a while. But the Bible says that Jesus dispersed the crowds, and then he went into a mountain to pray. He went by himself to pray in the evening time. 
Now, in verse 48, the Bible tells us that Jesus saw the disciples from his vantage point, wherever it was that he was praying, up on a mountain, he looked out and saw on the Sea of Galilee, and by the way, there's a parallel passage, uh, passage of this same story in the book of Matthew, <clears throat> and over there it tells us that Jesus was on a mountain, and he looked out and he saw the disciples toiling and rowing. And now, <clears throat> the Sea of Galilee, even though it's a small body of water, it's famous for pretty bad storms that come up really quickly. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that this storm came up on the Sea of Galilee and the winds were contrary to the direction that the disciples were wanting to go. And so you can imagine, boy, uh, they didn't have a, uh, a 250 horsepower uh, Evinrude on the back outboard, you know, to, to get from one side to the other. They were they were doing it the old-fashioned way, man. They were they were rowing, and the Bible says they were toiling in rowing. They were trying to get to the other side. The wind was blowing against them, and so they, if I may put it in layman's terms, they were getting nowhere fast. They weren't making any progress. And the Bible says that Jesus, from his vantage point on the mountaintop, looked out on the Sea of Galilee and saw the disciples' ship. And the Bible says that it was uh, that was in the evening. But notice something. And uh, look with me, if you will, in uh, in verse number forty-eight, Mark chapter six, and uh, in verse number forty-eight, the Bible says this. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now, wait a minute. It says that he sent them out on the boat at evening. Don't miss it. At evening, when the sun went down. When Jesus decided to go out there to help them, it, the Bible says it was the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. He waited a while before he decided to help them. He just watched them. They're toil, they're toil, they're, I mean, they're tow, uh, towing, <laughs> they're rowing, and the Bible says they're toiling in rowing. Say that real fast ten times. And, uh, they're, they, I mean, they're rowing their heart out. They're, they're, they're giving it everything they've got, and they're just treading water. They're not making any progress to the other side. And the Bible says that Jesus saw them, but he decided to go out there and help them in his time. May I say to you this morning, who are anxiously awaiting the help of God in a certain area, it all depends on God's timing. God's timing is all about God's glory. And, uh, and and God hasn't forgotten about you. You say, preacher, I'm really having a hard time right now. That's okay. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I've been praying about things. It seems like God is just is just uh, uh, withholding his answer. It seems like he's not showing up when I want him to. Understand, he'll be there when it's his time. And he'll help you in his time. And uh, But here's Jesus. He decides at uh, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. to go out and meet the disciples who were out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and so <clears throat> the Bible tells us that he walked out onto the Sea of Galilee because he's God. And the Bible says something very interesting. They saw him walking on the water, but they supposed him to have been a spirit. They thought it was a ghost. They, uh, they, they, they said, man, I don't, man, we've been out here a long time and, and my eyes start playing with things, tricks on me. And, and they, they all saw him and the Bible says they were scared. And you can understand why. They were shaken up. Verse 50 says they all saw him and were troubled. And by the way, if you read the parallel passage over in Matthew about this same story, you'll find this is where Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to you. 
And you have the whole story, the subplot of Peter walking on the water and sinking because of the lack of faith in Jesus uh, 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 lifting him up out of the water. But Jesus finally said in, uh, unto the, the disciples, he said, look, fellas, it's okay. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Don't you know those, just to hear that voice was assuring. Don't you know that to hear the voice of the Son of God who's out walking on the water in the middle of a storm, hey, guys, it's okay. I'm right here. And so, in Mark chapter 6, and verse number 51, the Bible says, And he went up into the ship, or unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. Now notice what it says. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, here's the premise of the message. The amazement they had and the wonder they experienced after Jesus came walking out to them on the water was certainly un understandable. Put yourself in the disciples' boat, if you will. Here they are. They're in the boat. Jesus comes walking out to them on the water. The winds are contrary. The, the, uh, uh, the, the waves are crashing against the boat. They're not making any progress in getting to the, to the other side. And, and, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, they see a what they thought was a spirit walking on the water. They're scared to death. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you. And, uh, and the Lord says, hey, well, come on, Peter, <coughs> and, uh, and, and all of that. And then finally, when all of that is over, Jesus gets into the ship with them, and they were amazed. You know what? I would be amazed too. And you would be amazed too. The Bible says they were filled with wonder. We would be filled with wonder if that happened to us. But here's the message. In verse 52, the Bible says, they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. You see, the wonder and amazement they had when Jesus came walking on the water was the same wonder and amazement they should have had when they saw the multitudes fed with the little boy's lunch. Are you with me? The, the shock and the amazement and the wonder, they, they were in disbelief. I can't believe what I just saw. This is amazing. Jesus was walking on the water. Jesus was right here. He came walking right by our boat, and we didn't realize it was him until we heard his voice. And, uh, and Peter said, man, I can't believe it. And Jesus let me walk on the water to him for a little ways, and, and my faith got weak, and I think, man, that's still an amazing thing. The Bible says they were filled with amazement, but Jesus said, wait a minute, fellas, you should have been amazed a few hours ago. You should have been filled with wonder a few hours ago when that little boy brought his lunch, five loaves and two small fishes, and thousands of people were fed. Where was the wonder then, guys? Where was the amazement then, fellas? He said, why didn't you consider that miracle? Why didn't you think about that? Why didn't you allow that miracle fill you with amazement and wonder? The Holy Spirit instructs John Mark to write a footnote to this whole story to tell us that the disciples did not consider the miracle of the loaves. If you and I are not careful, we will go throughout our lives and fail to see some of the most incredible miracles that God does right in front of our eyes. If we're not careful. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll see a few miracles that will amaze us, but we'll miss a lot of miracles that should have amazed us. We will sometimes be reminded of some things that God does for us. Maybe, maybe some, uh, maybe a, a, a near near death experience or a near miss, if you will, an accident that we escaped with our life, or or some uh, some major thing that God brought us through because it affects us in a more profound way. But 
Nevertheless, God does a lot of things right in front of us every day, and sometimes we miss it. We miss it. The message this morning is simply this. Consider the miracle. All of us ought to take time on a regular basis to consider the miracles of our God. Number one, I want to see, I want to say this. Consider the miracle of God's provision. All of us in this room this morning ought to consider, think about, observe, ponder the miracle of God's mighty provision in our lives. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> In every corner and nook and cranny of this room, I don't care who you are, I don't care how tough a week you've had, I'll promise you, if all of us could testify this morning, we would have to say, God has been good to me. God has been good to you. Consider the miracle of God's provision. When the disciples witnessed, or what the disciples witnessed earlier in the day was God's amazing provision to feed thousands of people. Thousands of people. The Bible says 5,000 men, <laughs> but uh, again, conservatively, probably fifteen to 20,000 people were fed. I mean, God provided for them in a, in a miraculous way. If you go back and look at the story, they're all gathered together. Jesus has been teaching and preaching <clears throat> on the side of the hill there, and, uh, and the disciples came to Jesus and said to Jesus, hey, Lord, we need to let these people go because they're getting hungry and there's no McDonald's nearby. There's no Meyer nearby. There's no Walmart nearby. There's no, there's no uh, Coney's nearby. <laughs> there's nothing like that, Jesus. We've got to let them go because they're hungry. And what was Jesus' response? Give, you, you fellas give them something to eat. Go ahead, fellas. There's thousands of people out there. You start feeding them. And uh, they look at each other. And I believe it's in the in gospel in the, uh, the the Gospel of John in his account of the same story where <clears throat> one of the disciples said, "Lord, two hundred penny worth. Uh, that's a lot, but that wouldn't even make a dent in this crowd." And uh, <clears throat> Jesus said, "Hey, make them to sit down by companies, make them to sit down by ranks, and we'll take care of it." And somebody said, "Hey, Jesus, there's a little boy <clears throat> who uh, who brought his lunch today, five loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many?" And the Bible says that Jesus bowed his head and he blessed it and he broke the food and he began to distribute to his disciples and the disciples began to distribute to the people uh, by, by the, the ranks in which they were sitting and everybody got not just a little bit to eat, but the Bible says there was so much, 12 baskets were left over at the end of the day. Wow. Wow. That's God's provision. God's provision. And the, and the disciples, somehow, they missed it. Somehow, instead of, instead of them walking away from that, talking about what a wonderful miracle it was, they just went about their business, got into the ship, and started rowing for the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says they considered not the miracle of the loaves. They just didn't think about it. I wonder what we miss in our lives. I wonder how, much, how often we forget about how God has provided for us. Hey, you're here today, which means you have the health and strength to be in church. You got up <clears throat> under your own strength. Uh, you, someone, in, in, some, in a few cases, someone may have had to help you uh, uh, get ready. And uh, but, but nevertheless, there was a way for you to be here in church on a Sunday morning. God's been good to you. I dare say not one person in this room has missed a meal this week. At least, uh, if you did, it was of your own choosing. And uh, <clears throat> I see some of our little guys this morning. They had a, they had a camp out this week over in... Uh, uh, yes, Holly, <clears throat> in that area. And, uh, I, Brother Glenn came in the other day and he said, uh, he said, preacher, he said, last night some of the boys heard some coyotes in the distance. 
<clears throat> I'm sure that got their attention. Amen, Brother Mike? <clears throat> there are some coyotes in the distance. And, uh, boy, that's, that's the kind of stuff you love to have fun with when you got little kids like that around. <clears throat> and uh, did you know that coyotes really like little kids? And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> you say that's cruel. I know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but... Uh, but you know, there, and, uh, you know, but even, even with that, well, what a great opportunity. What a great privilege. And, uh, <clears throat> but you know, God is so good to provide, regardless of what you ate, whether it was high on the hog this week or you ate at, uh, at the boys camp, camp out, you know, beanie weenies out of a can, whatever it was. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm sure brother, brother Mike had the, he was the chef out there this week. But, <clears throat> but understand, God's been good to you. He's provided for you. He's provided for you a shelter over your head at night. You got up this morning and it was it was a little chilly outside, and some of you chose to put on a jacket to come to to uh, to, to church, unlike last Sunday, amen, or the Sunday before that. And uh, but everything that you need, everything that 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 uh, is a uh, is a necessity of life in your life, God provided it for you. You know, sometimes we miss the miracle. Sometimes we fail to thank God for what we see as just the mundane the run of the mill, the routine. Sometimes we fail to thank, to, to thank God for the freedoms that we enjoy. The freedoms that we enjoy. We live in the United States of America. The land of the free and the home of the brave. And we ought to thank God for that. We, and we ought to shout about that. There ought to be something that wells up inside of us to know that we woke up in a land this morning where we're allowed to come to church and we don't fear government interference. We don't fear you know a militia shutting the doors of this church because we preach the Bible, because we worship Jehovah God in the way that we choose. Hey, God's been good to us. Somebody ought to say amen right there. God provides for us. Have we missed the miracle? Have we missed the miracle of salvation? Miss the miracle of God's providing His Son to down a cross for us. Boy, it's so many things. Hey, if you're here this morning, <coughs> and, and th 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 there's reason to be thankful. Why is it that we relegate Thanksgiving to one day a year? I don't understand that. Why is it that we, and, and uh, by the way, I, I thank God for the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a wonderful thing. But Thanksgiving ought to be every day. It ought to be every day. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. All His benefits. Have we considered all the benefits we enjoy every day? The food, the clothing, the shelter, the freedoms, the comfort, the rest. Hey, the relationships that God has given to you. Have you, have you stopped to think about that? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, the psalmist said, and forget not all His benefits. All of His benefits. It all comes down from the hand of a good God. James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I wonder if God ever gets frustrated with you and me when we fail to realize how He provides for us. But by the way, that's one reason why you ought to sit down and, and, uh, and, and say the blessing over your food before you eat it. I don't care if it's at your home or if it's at Taco Bell, amen. You ought to thank God for it. I've seen, it bothers me, every now and then I would see a teenager pull this number at a, at a restaurant. 
I'd say, now look, y'all be sure to thank, you know, thank the Lord for your food before you eat it. And they pull one of these numbers, they, the old napkin drop routine. Drop it on the floor. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this food. Amen. All right, let's eat. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we... <laughs> but, but, but really, God, God was gracious to give us that. I wonder if God ever gets frustrated with you and me because we fail to realize how He provides for us regularly. All the time. All the time. Every breath you breathe comes from God. Every day you enjoy comes from God. Every sweet time of fellowship with your spouse comes from God. Every interaction with your children comes from God. Those of you that have been blessed with grandchildren, every time you get to sit down and, and, and chat with your grandchildren, spoil them rotten, and then send them home to mom and dad because that's what it's all about from what I hear. Hey, that's from, that's from God. That's from God. I'm simply saying, consider, consider the miracle of God's provision. Number two, I see this, consider the miracle of my usefulness to Jesus. I ought to consider the miracle of my usefulness to the Lord. Think about this. The disciples saw a little boy experience the privilege of his life that day. Can you imagine that little boy? He came home from, from, from uh, listening to Jesus teach and preach that day and from giving his lunch to the disciples and seeing his lunch. Can you imagine the stories that he told his mom and his dad when he got home that day? Mama, you ain't going to believe this. You better sit down. You know, you know what you packed for me today? Well, yeah, sure I do. It's just, you know, five loaves of bread and, and two, uh, little, uh, <clears throat> two little fish there. And, and uh, did you eat it all? Well, not exactly. What do you mean you didn't eat it all? Well, I shared it with somebody. You, son, it wasn't a whole lot to start. What do you mean you... And by the way, that may be the biggest miracle today, a little kid sharing his lunch. But anyway, <clears throat> but uh, what do you mean you didn't eat it all? Well, Mama, it was a lot of food. Son, it was only five loaves and two fish. Mama, you don't understand. It was more food than I can possibly describe to you after Jesus got done with it. It was amazing. Can you imagine the stories he told? By the way, he was used by the Savior to be a blessing to thousands. Have you considered that miracle? The fact that Jesus would use any of us to do anything is nothing short of a miracle. The fact that the good God of heaven would use those disciples to enjoy the privilege to serve a lunch to thousands. Oh, they did, all they did was just serve it. They weren't the ones who blessed it. They weren't the ones who multiplied it. But Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Bartholomew, and all those guys, hey, they had the privilege to be used by Jesus to serve people. And boy, we all not ever think that serving people is drudgery. We all not ever think that serving people is mundane. We all not ever think that serving God by serving people is something that is to us. No, sir. They said it's a miracle and they missed it. They didn't consider it. I marvel any time that I see that God would use someone like me. By the way, God doesn't use me because of me. God uses me in spite of me. God doesn't use you because of you. God uses you in spite of who you are, in spite of our sinful condition, in spite of the fact that we are at, we are at enmity with God before salvation, in spite of the fact that without Jesus we're nothing, God still uses us. Consider the miracle of our usefulness to the Savior. And then finally this morning, I want you to see this. Consider the miracle of God's power to do the impossible. Consider the miracle of God's omnipotent 
all-powerfulness, if you will, to do the impossible. You see, hours before, the disciples were in awe of Jesus walking on the water, but way before that, Jesus did something every bit as amazing, and it didn't seem to register with the disciples. It just They just missed it. They didn't think about it. Now, had they thought about it, they would have seen it for what it was. Had they taken some time to ponder it, perhaps, they would have sat around the boat there and said, Fellas, do you, does anybody know what just happened back there? Uh, I know all of them were in charge of feeding different groups of people, and maybe, maybe nobody just stopped to say, Did all that come from the same lunch bag? <laughs> Did all that come from the same pail? <laughs> are you, are you, really? Jesus took five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude of the people. Friend, I've got good news for all of us. We serve a God who specializes in doing the impossible. You and I serve a God on this ninth day of September, 2018. <clears throat> hey, he's not weakened in his ability. He's not, uh, uh, he's not impoverished all of a sudden. He's not having a bad day. He didn't even take a nap last night. The Bible says in Psalm 121, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He hasn't gone to sleep on your problem. He's not out to lunch when it comes to your prayer request. He, he, he's not, uh, he's not taking a vacation on what your needs are. Hey, I'm simply saying, friend, have we considered the fact that our God God is able to do anything. He specializes in the impossible. I love it over in the book of Ephesians, and now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Wow, that's big time right there. God is not only able to do what you can ask, but he's able to do uh, exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or even think about, the Bible says. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. You know, we get bent out of shape over the impossible, but God doesn't even break a sweat. We wring our hands about the future. We, we worry about things that are on the horizon. We worry about our health and we worry about our finances and we worry about this and worry about that. Hey, I got a big God and so do you. It's all powerful. By definition, a miracle is something that is outside of man's ability. You know, sometimes we overuse words, don't we? But a miracle is anything that is outside of human ability. Well, you know what? There's nothing outside of God's ability. Hey, <clears throat> there's a few things God can't do, but He can't fail. He can't sin. He can't let us down because He said He wouldn't. He's not going to leave us because he said he wouldn't, but hey, there's nothing impossible. There's nothing too hard for God. We're limited by the natural, but God specializes in the supernatural. I'm simply saying this morning, why don't we stop and consider the miracles? I love what the songwriter said. John Newton wrote the words to Amazing Grace. He said, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. What did he say? The same grace that brought me to this point? The same God of the impossible who brought me thus far? 
The same God who provided for me for all these years, the same God who has brought me this far, the same God who saved me, the same God that saved a wretch like me. Hey, John Newton was the worst of the worst. John Newton, when he said a wretch like himself, he wasn't, he wasn't whistling Dixie, my friend. He was serious as a heart attack. He said, Hey, I was a wretch of a man and Jesus saved a wretch like me and he brought me safe this far and grace will lead me home. Grace will lead me home. He said, I've got a God who specializes in the impossible. In the impossible. Why don't we stop this morning and consider the miracles? Before we start griping about what we don't have, why don't we start thanking God for what we do have? Hey, before we start <coughs> talking amongst ourselves and, 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 and start throwing a pity party for what's going on, hey, oh, I, I'm, again, I'm not minimizing your problem whatsoever. The disciples, when Jesus said they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves, they had been in a storm. Sometimes the storms of life distracts us from the blessings that just happened. Sometimes the storms, sometimes when we get into a pickle, we get into a mess, if we're not careful, we'll forget about the fact that God is able to do everything He said He'd do. Listen very carefully. But we're done. The miracle of God's power to provide for me, the miracle of God's willingness to use me, the miracle of God's power to do what I cannot do. But let me say this. The greatest demonstration of God's power is to save a sinner. You look at everything that God did on those six days of creation. By the way, God created the heaven and the earth. It wasn't evolution. It wasn't science. It was God. Not Mother Nature. It's God. But everything that God did on those six days of creation, as wonderful as they are, and as much as we enjoy it, the most powerful thing that God has ever done, my friend, is to save a sinner. To save somebody like me who ought to go to hell, somebody like me who ought to pay the penalty from our own sin in a lake of fire for eternity, the greatest demonstration of the power of an omnipotent God is to save a sinner like me. And I say this morning, <clears throat> He can save any sinner. He can save John Newton, the wretch that wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. The same God can save me and He can save you. He can save you. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, may I say, <clears throat> boy, you ought to run to Jesus this morning. You ought to run to Him. And that amazing grace, amazing grace, no matter how good you are, you're not good enough to save yourself. You're just not. You say, oh, preacher, I, I take issue with that. I'll have you know I'm a good person. Uh, the hell will be populated by people who consider themselves good. Oh, pastor, I'm a church-going person. I'm here this morning, or am I not? Hell will be populated by people who went to church every Sunday. Pastor, I do good deeds. I do good works. I, I give money to the poor. I help out charities. I, I, I give of my time. I give of my treasure and my talents. And I do it willingly. That's wonderful. But until you've come to Jesus Christ for salvation, it's all for naught as far as your eternal destiny is concerned. What you need to do this morning, my friend, is to come to an omnipotent, all-powerful God of the impossible who <clears throat> the greatest miracle He's ever done, as wonderful as it was, was not even the feeding of the 5,000. As wonderful as it was, it was not the 
healing of a lame man by the pool of Bethesda, the most miraculous thing that God in heaven has ever done is to save a sinner like Kevin Dale. And if you'll come to him this morning, if you'll come to Jesus Christ, by the way, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You don't get to heaven except for through Jesus. He'll save you. He'll save you. If you'll ask him, if you'll let him, if you'll see your need of a Savior, if you'll understand that you're a sinner under the condemnation of your own sins, and if you'll come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't save myself, would you save me? I, I trust you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again after three days for me. Jesus, would you save me? He promised that he would. He promised that he would. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Every head bowed. Every eye is closed.